Hello, friends. I'm Luke, and I serve on the music team at Holy Family. We continue to hear stories from people like you who listen to the Holy Family podcast and consider Holy Family your church. And whether you're someone who's constantly on the go, hasn't found a church community where you live to which you can belong, or someone who's wondering about the shape of your faith, we are honored to be with you by sharing these reflections from our Sunday liturgies. We rely on the generosity of our congregation, which includes you wherever you listen, to help our ministry achieve and maintain financial health. If this podcast has been a gift to you, would you consider making a contribution so that we can continue offering resources that welcome questions, curiosities, and doubts? You can make a gift by following the link in our show notes. That's at holyfamilyhtx.org. From Holy Family HTX, an Episcopal church for people without a church, this is the Holy Family Podcast, a collection of ideas about leading a Jesus-centered life. We clearly explore the church's understandings while bringing our own questions, curiosities, and doubts, and we never demand fake agreement. Theological exploration is just better that way. So, let's take a moment of silence as we get ready to contemplate today's ideas. God is not God's name. Uh, That is basically it, though. God is not God's name. Furthermore, when we use the word God in conversation, we have to be precise about just what kind of God it is that we speak of. Every once in a while, a stranger will find out what I do for employment and... Then, eight times out of ten, they feel a compulsion to tell me that they don't believe in God. This is why I no longer wear my clerical collar in the airport. Not that you can really see it past the beard at this point anyway. Uh, Whenever I get into that kind of conversation, I've adopted a response that says something like, uh, if I'm, if I'm, being not in the mood for a long conversation, I'll say, oh, really? Well, tell me what kind of God it is that you don't believe in. And then they'll tell me something. And every single time I've been able to say, oh, good. Well, I don't believe in that God either. Other times I'll say, let me guess. You don't believe in some capricious old man in the sky ready to obliterate us if we do anything wrong. But at other times says that he, and definitely he, loves us while hoping that what we really get out of life is more freedom and guns and mansions. And if you can't get a mansion in this life, by God, we'll get you one in the afterlife. Uh, unless you, you know, really do bad, then we've got a, a cave of torment for you. Is that the God you're saying you don't believe in? And they say, yeah, that one. I say, oh, good. I don't believe in that God either. And once that gets affirmed by them, it opens up a door. Because the church has borne witness to a much more interesting God than that. 
a God whose name is not God. Rather, we confess one God in three persons. And if you ask, what is this God's name? The church has been pretty straightforward with our answer because we got it from Jesus. Jesus said, go make disciples and baptize them into the name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's God's name. Fourth century Bishop St. Gregory of Nazianzus in his 38th oration says, when I say God, I mean Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's God's name, and we only know it because Jesus told us so. Uh, for example, uh, when you came in today, you had the opportunity to fill out a name tag. As a sidebar, you should not presume that the name Father, Son, and Holy Spirit means that you are necessitated into a particular set of pronouns for talking about this God. That is a mistake in our times that we are learning to correct. And that simple lesson is you should not presume someone's pronouns simply by the way their name sounds to you. In fact, the church's position for 2,000 years has been that God is beyond gender because gender is a part of God's creation. Therefore, when you pray to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are free to join the Bible in its multiplicity of pronouns when talking about this God named Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're given glimpses of these three persons in specific moments in Jesus's life. It's not like Jesus sat us down at a lecture and said, I'm going to explain how God works to you. Rather, what we get are these Trinitarian theophanies. These stories that open up to us the way the Bible actually talks about God. The New Testament depicts stories where the intra-Trinitarian life, it, it, it dilates. It's like God's very heart opens. And you catch a glimpse of these other two people. Jesus hangs out, does things, and says things, and these other two keep showing up. At the Annunciation to Mary, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come over you, and the Most High will overshadow you, and you will be born one called God's Son. At Jesus' baptism, he is baptized, and the Spirit descends. And the Father says, you are my beloved. At the Transfiguration, Jesus is transfigured, and the Spirit covers everyone in a cloud. And the Father says, this is my child. At the crucifixion, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And he gives up his Spirit. At the resurrection, it says, if the Spirit of the one who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you, the one who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your human bodies. See how there's three named there? At all of these crucial moments in the life of Jesus Christ, these other two characters, if you read it like a, a play, these other two characters show up. God's interior life dilates and opens in the life of Jesus Christ, and we see these other two. 
Which means that in all of these revelations into the interior life of, of God, we discover that at the heart of God is a relationship. Which is why I think my favorite verse that talks about the Trinity in the Bible is the verse, God is love. If Who else is there to love if there's only... You get the point. In other words, Jesus Christ introduces us to two others. The one he prayed to and called Father and the spirit who moved him. Now, this is where you get in on the story. The church does a lot in the name of this God. Some of you have been baptized in this church, and we baptized you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some of you have been confirmed by one of our bishops in this church. You were confirmed in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you commune here, it's in the triune God's name. If you worship here, we bless you. We pray in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in all of these moments, when we invoke the name of one God, three persons, we discover that this God is drawing us ever closer into this amazing communion. Jason Biasi writes that the Trinity tells us a story about the true God who saves us. How can Jesus who saves us also be God without there being two gods? We don't know. And anyone who tells you is not telling you the truth. <laughs> we don't know. But we know that Jesus has to be God to save us. And the true God is poured out into our lives by the Spirit who is drawing all of us into Jesus Christ. How can that one also be God? Again, we don't know, but we just know that the Spirit has to be in order to draw us in. Thinking deeply about God's Trinitarian nature has changed the way that I pray. Uh, I confess to you that certain parts of the Christian life have come easier to me than others. One that has been a bit of a struggle for me over the years is prayer. Thinking deeply about God's Trinitarian nature has changed how I pray. If you think about God's Trinitarian nature, what you discover is that prayer is the language of the Trinity. Whether I pray or not, Jesus Christ is praying. God is the one praying. Jesus Christ is praying right now for you. And what happens is when Jesus Christ is constantly praying to the Father, the Spirit comes and takes the prayers in your heart and places them into the heart of the triune God. Your prayers are incorporated into Jesus Christ's prayers by the Spirit. Your prayers are brought into God's conversation. The living God brings your prayers into Jesus Christ's prayer. So when you pray, the Holy Spirit takes those and brings them into the heart of God. And you have an opportunity for that living God to take something and place deep within your heart. What I mean to tell you, my dear sisters, brothers, and siblings, is that this is not some abstract doctrine meant for esoteric, nerdy theologians like me. It is an ever-deepening mystery meant to draw you deeper into the heart of God. The church's talk about Trinity is our attempt at talking about how God is with God. How it is that the Father is with the Son. And how it is that the Son is with the Spirit. 
At the heart of the Trinity is an exemplification of the word with. How is God with God? Now, on most Sundays, if you come in the lobby door, you're greeted by an icon that we moved to the back of the nave today. Uh, Nave is church word for this room. I wonder what you notice in this icon. Maybe you notice the three. They are three. They are distinct. And yet they have very similar faces. In the color version in the back of the nave, you can see that All three have distinct colors that they wear, and yet all three are wearing the color blue as well. Perhaps you notice that all three have wings, and yet at some point, one wing is touching the wing of another. There is none in isolation. And yet, Do you see what's in their hands? They're holding a walking stick. And I just have to wonder, why do you need a walking stick if you can fly? Well, it's as if to say, well, yeah, we can fly. But we choose to walk with you. Who cannot. Or maybe you notice what's behind the three. Perhaps you notice behind the one on your left, a house. Maybe that is the Father's house that Jesus speaks of in John 14. Or maybe you notice behind the one in the middle, a tree. Maybe that's the tree of life on which the strange fruits hung. Or maybe that's the tree that is the cross on which Jesus hung. And if you get your theology correct, you discover that that's the same tree. Behind the one on your right is a mountain. Recalling when the law came down to God's chosen people and now how the spirit has come down upon all flesh. Or maybe you notice the open seat. There's one open seat at the table, and it's facing you. It's inviting you to come. It's beckoning you to come close. And the person in the middle has the hand of blessing. You notice when I bless you at the end of liturgies, I bless you with this hand configuration. This is because I have three fingers together in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I have two fingers together declaring that I am blessing you in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ, who is truly human and truly God. We bless you in the name of this God. That hand of blessing is blessing this seat, this open seat, inviting you into constant communion with God. And if you have not been baptized into communion with this God, we can do that. We do that here, and we're glad to do that here.
I mean, I just wonder what would happen for you if just for a week you took this as your operative understanding for what you imagine God to be and what God wants out of you. What does this icon tell you God wants out of you? The only thing that God wants out of you is to be with you in communion. And just pause for a moment and consider what would happen in your own life if you actually dared to believe that the only thing that God wanted out of you was to be with you in an ever-deepening, constant communion. can find more resources to help you lead a Jesus-centered life at holyfamilyhtx.org. Again, it's holyfamilyhtx.org.